Cold pizza Tuesday. Tuesday. I got food up in the fridge. Well, hello and Hi. welcome. Y'all keep looking for that. Matt, I was trying to welcome anyone that may be listening or watching, but I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> you seem very excited. Thank you. I am. Good to be here with you. And you. Good, good to be here with you. Uh, Matt read a book this week. That's what we kind of. This is Book It, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Killing this hosting day. Well, That's you me. threw me off. I know. I was you trying to. Off. I was trying to. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I read a book last week. We talked about that. You can mm-hmm. go back and listen to it or watch it if you want. This week, Matt read something. Bing. We can probably flash I it like on the screen, this. like right here, too, somewhere. <laughs> but I brought it. I brought an old copy of this. Although I mostly listened to this one. Really? And I'm going to do the voice of the reader. Right. Like, I'm right. going to try to. I'm going to try and impersonate it. Okay. And then you can guess. Maybe I'll Who read part of it. Who the reader is? Yeah. John Cocktoasted. <laughs> Chicago was a break in my journey. A resumption of my name, identity, and happy marital status. What? My wife flew in from the east for her brief visit. I was delighted in the change. I, I'm supposed to know this yeah, person? hold on. I'll add some things. Okay. But here, I run into a literary difficulty, Forrest. Forrest? Is that supposed to be a hint? Yeah. I have no idea who this is, by the way. Oh, Ellen. Okay, I'm going to do the rest of the talk until you guess who it is. Is this person's name Michael? No. Frederick. When we're done with this, we can go play some music with my band. Or support the troops. I feel... Such a bad impression. Support the troops. That's a clue. That's a clue. And the band... Is it Bono? Forrest. (laughs) Why'd you save me, Forrest? Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, he's the reader. Gary Sinise. Boom. I almost said Greg. You do your Gary Sinise. I'm sure it's good. Hi, you guys. <laughs> you see, so I'm kind of doing the same thing. Uh, my voice not, might not have been good, but he does have this like interesting voice. Anyway, he reads this. He's a huge Steinbeck fan. He knows Steinbeck's third wife. Um, let's see. Oh, he they, played they in met? Of Mice and Men. So when he was doing that, oh, okay. that she was on sense. set a lot, and they became friends, and I don't know. And so I think that's how he landed the job to read this. <laughs> well, and you met him, so. Yeah, we hung out. Yeah. We hung out. For a whole, like, afternoon, right? Yeah. Or morning? And that's what happens. When know. you hang out with someone, you end up mimicking their behaviors. And so by the end of the day, he was eating a bunch of candy, and I was talking like this. <laughs> So we're pretty good, pretty good friends. Anyway, you yeah, read this. I'm sure you appreciated that. And I listened to three times speed, and three times speed no. is a pretty well read. Three times speed sounds ridiculous anyway, so I can't imagine what <laughs> It was that. really good with his voice. And then I went back to one time speed, and it was like, oh, Gary, would you just hurry along? Like, yeah. And then they walked. I turned <laughs> left. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is what I read. This is what I listened to. Well... That adds an extra layer for sure. And it took but us a long time us- to get here. It, it's a long way around, and this is about a journey, a road trip. So did it on purpose. Okay, you've told me about this book before, not all the way about it, but that sure. like it was good or something, or that mm-hmm. I should read it or something. You, I really I, made an impact on you. <laughs> it's about a guy. Well, it's about the author. Yeah. It's. A, tell us what this book is about. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
something. Uh, John Steinbeck, who you've heard of. We've covered yes. some of his books. He's one of my favorite writers. I really enjoy a lot of his books. He, I think at age 58, um, built a camper out, got a truck, put a bed in it, put some other stuff, mm. cookware, all these things. Um, it's my camper van. And then he jumped in and he just drove west. Yeah. Um, well, I actually drove east a little bit. That was an interesting part of the book. I intend to go west, and anytime I intend to go west, I end up going east. Like, he has little quips like that in the book. So he goes east, you know, meanders around, and then he goes, starts going west, and he ends up in California where he was raised and gets to revisit his hometown. Then he goes down through Texas. Then he goes a bit through the south, and he goes back home. And so it's him how long? writing about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, how long is this journey? Unclear. Also oh. false. What? So uh, <laughs> it's unclear how the journey is. He doesn't really give you day 62. Oh, okay. Uh, there's like, th- th- there's one part in the book where he's in Chicago and he stays at a nice hotel to kind of revamp for a minute. Hmm. And he pucks, puts his truck in storage. And so oh. I'm thinking, you were probably there a minute. And then all of a sudden you blink and he's like in the middle of Montana. He's just kind of, I don't know. He put it together how he wanted. I think it was probably it's pretty long. But the linear. reason I say it was also like, not true or fraudulent or whatever. They build this as like a nonfiction work. And then someone in 2010 tried to use all his notes and read this and redo the oh, route. Oh, gosh. He made a bunch of it up. And some of these dialogues didn't actually happen. That could never have been that road. <laughs> it was. And I'm kind of like, who cares? And there's also a whole yeah. part where he's talking to his dog and the dog's talking back to him. And I'm like, what? That's not real? A journalist? <laughs> I don't know. People get all bent up. But so you ask factually, how long was it? I don't know. My guess yeah. would be months. It took him a while, but I think he took breaks and it's probably a series of trips he took. And then he just, he did. I'm sure he fabricated. Some of the dialogue is terrible in this book because I think what he's just making What does his dog up. say? Well, with the dog, it was just, <laughs> I thought that part was great. He was sort of delirious and travel weary. Sorry. No. And is the dog's name Charlie? The dog is Charlie. Okay. And so all of a sudden he is just sick of the road. He's lonely, mm-hmm. and he picks up a sense that Charlie is too, where he's really close with his dog. I would say, you know, we project our feelings onto our dog, and I think he would think the same thing, and he's maybe doing that. But then the dog starts talking back to him through wagging of tail, mm. but it actually is talking. And then at one point, the dog uses really bad grammar. He goes, you know, with grammar like that, it's a good thing you can't talk or something. <laughs> so it's like, they're just delirious. I don't know. It's funny. But then for journals, it'd be like, some of the dialogue's made up. I'm like... Yep. Oh, or all of it. Yeah, he's yeah. a writer. He's trying to, I don't know. So the subtitle is In Search of America. Mm. So what he says in this book, which I thought was an interesting premise, is he doesn't say this, but it's implied. He got rich. He moved to New York. He changed his lifestyle, and he forgot his people. Mm. And so he wanted to take this road trip as he got advanced in years. At the age of 58, 60, something like that, he wanted to take this road trip to just remember. And then he said, and I write about all this still. I'm writing books about people that I don't even know. I'm hmm. writing books about scenes that I haven't laid eyes on. Yeah. And pretty soon it becomes less and less real. So I want to take this journey to see who we've become, but I want to take this journey to reacquaint myself with reality, which I thought was a beautiful premise. And so then he takes off and he goes. I like it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, is anything, hmm. I guess with a book like that, like it's this guy, it's a real life mixed with Fictional elements, I guess, may or may not. Um, does it feel like you read it and you go, "I there was a point to this," or is it kind of like that was weird? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just snap in, snap out. Wait, 
that day, special day. Um, this is maybe what I didn't like about the book. Your question leads me there. It's a bit disjointed. Mm. It really is a collection of his essays that I don't think he had another way to publish. And so I'm not saying it's contrived in that way, but the whole last section, I think it's in seven parts, the whole last section is sort of about race. He's talking oh. about race and what he thinks of it, uh, like racism. And he's in the Deep South, and he's attending a rally. Oh. Um, not a rally for equality, a kind of a rally against it. Mm. Like people standing there and getting mad because schools aren't segregated. And he goes and looks on at that spectacle and then writes about it. Mm-hmm. And so his point in that is pretty clear. Racism's bad. Here's where it comes from, and I'm not it. And something like that is his point. Yeah. But it doesn't really align with the rest of the book. It's okay, uh, but it's so the point of the book. I think if I were to say what it is, is that he's just making observations about America, maybe eight or nine of his observations, and then they're mingled in with funny stories or descriptions of landscape. Mm-hmm. So maybe what I think I'm hearing is like maybe he had sort of this essay in mind, or he had thoughts he wanted to share about racism in America, which might have affected the journey that he took. And so he's like, I know there's going to be this rally here. I'll point my car in that direction or whatever. Yeah, he knew he was going to be in the South. And what are you going to write about when you're in the South during the civil rights movement? You're going to talk about race. So here's a way I can talk about race, and it feels a little less preachy or more organic. Mm -hmm. I drive upon this scene and describe it. He has basically a mini essay about Texas. Like This guy's been thinking about Texas for a while. He's not just passing through probably. I mean, like, Texas is its own country. And then he goes into this whole thing. Like, And so... Sometimes it's real serious stuff like race, and then sometimes it's so flippant. And mm-hmm. so you can feel a little bit jounced around, which maybe that's the point. The road trip, you never know. Yeah. You never know what Different. you're going to get, Forrest. <laughs> Something like that. But he did have some things I thought – I wrote down a few of them. Oh. So like something he says early in the book, I just I couldn't – I think a couple of things Steinbeck was really good at, and if you read his stuff – He's really good at understanding human nature. Like he talks really well. I'll use an archaic term, sin. Mm. He, he's not someone of a religious persuasion, but he talks really well about sin and jealousy and pettiness. And does he, he does he use that term or? Yeah, a lot of times. He, oh, okay. And even in this road trip, he said he stops at as many churches as he could go to and like compares them. Interesting. And and he does a really good job of talking about human nature. He does a really good job at, at scenery. And then the other thing I think he's really good at is vision. Like He's just good at sort of taking the universal and saying this thing will always be universal, but this universal thing can lead to bigger problems. So he's driving through New York as he's leaving, and he goes through the city, and he hates cities, and he thinks the cities are like just going to cause a lot of problems, but he sees all the trash, and he's like, pretty soon we're going to have so much stuff, we're not going to know what to do with it. And when that day comes, there's going to be a reckoning. Like we consume too much. We're we're gonna grow into mm. a materialistic society and then it's gonna hurt the environment. Pretty soon we're gonna choke like all these environmental things that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. He's driving this camper van in the sixties, basically predicting it. And he had a few others of those that um I just thought one of them he says that we don't go to visit places anymore, we go for the retelling. Mm. That's what Instagram is. Right, that consumerism of even places. Like, I'm going to Prague. I don't go to Prague anymore because I want to go to Prague. I go to Prague so I can make my sister jealous that I went to Prague and then share the pictures of Prague and then show everyone that I'm a world citizen. Yeah. And I think that's probably always a bit true why we go places, but more so now. Like, it's more for the 
it's less of the experience status and more of the, symbol sometimes yes, more for the status so stuff like that i'm like man this guy he saw where we were headed in some way so reading those is it he's a smart guy and a good writer yeah so that part was cool yeah did he write i mean like knowing that he was 58 when he wrote this or when he took the journey at least did he write things after this uh, books or was this kind of the last thing? I think thing? he passed away in 68 and he was writing pretty much up to then. Um, I think this is maybe one of his last well-known beloved books. Mm-hmm. Although Winter of Our Discontent, I think, came after this, which oh. we both read. Yeah. I think that was one of his very last ones. Um, but yeah, oh. he was still writing after this. So this kind of felt like a break. I don't have anything I'm working on right now. I'll do that road trip I've been dreaming about. Here we go. Um, he writes about his homecoming and how his homecoming is wasn't that great because all he does is argue about politics with his family when he goes home. I'm like, oh, no. yep, nailed it. That's what we do too. Um, another <laughs> thing that was interesting about this book, he talks a lot about you and I, if I talk about Prague, you and I could go to Prague and one of us hates it, one of us loves it. We don't actually go to one city, we go to two cities because we both have a unique. And he said, even mm. in a human, you have different... So you have morning eyes and afternoon eyes is what he calls them. He's like, you can see something in the morning that's totally different than if you saw it in the afternoon. Mm. Or maybe you saw it in the evening when you're weary. And so you're going to, but in the morning it would have uplifted your spirit. So he's Mm -hmm. just saying it's so hard in describing landscape, experience, cities, places. It's pretty much impossible and totally subjective. Yeah. Or like you see something after a bad conversation or a disappointment at work or a bad meal, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So he's yeah. just he's working that stuff in the whole time. So there's a lot of gems in the books that you're reading. And you're like, man, there's there's wisdom there. Hmm. That sounds yeah very wise. Well, cool. I what kind of dog is Charlie? Poodle. Poodle. Of some sort. French French poodle. That surprises me. Yeah. Although the drawing kind of looks a little yeah curly cute, but is. that's not John. That's that's actually the poodle. There's a sunset. I think. Well, yeah. I've like uh, I don't think I actually finished East of Eden, mm-hmm. but I remember the parts that I did read being struck by the way he would describe like the landscape in mm-hmm. California and just being awed by his talent in those areas. And anyway, so I don't know if he does much of that in this. But yeah, Montana. He goes pretty hard at Montana. <laughs> he has a love affair with Montana. He like, loves what's Montana. His, what's his thoughts? You said he thought a lot about Texas. Is it less of a love affair, I guess? More of... Yes. Yeah. Texas, he... And maybe we all see it. He made some, actually, comments about Texas that I think remain true, where um, there's a million own. different things going on in Texas, but you mess with one Texan, you mess with all of them. And there's this weird pride about Texas. Mm -hmm. And they even say all the time, like, we're the only state because of how we were founded through a treaty. We're the only state that can secede from the union Mm -hmm. freely. But we don't want anyone to, like, we don't actually want to. We just want everyone to know we can. Yeah. So he says all this stuff about Texas. The Texas part was pretty funny. If you're from Texas, he might have offended your sensibilities about Texas. But if you're not from Texas, you're like, I know a Texan like that. Yeah. So anyway, he he does a lot of the landscape thing and the driving thing. And then he does have these dialogues with drifters and people and invites them in. And those are the parts where I was reading. I was like, this just sounds like Steinbeck talking to himself. This is probably what that journalist was all bent out of shape about because it just sounds like another way for him to – because he'll be talking to someone like on the race stuff. He'd get someone and he'd start talking race with them. And they would be saying a counter argument to his, but doing so in the most eloquent way possible. Yeah. And it's like this homeless man off the street and he talking and the guy sounds like Socrates. And you're like, I'm pretty sure yeah. you're injecting this with a lot of you, which 
that's a construct you probably have to do. Yeah. And so I didn't mind it, but the dialogue sometimes you're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that. How much was, yeah. Well, I wonder if he ate pizza on his journey. Probably. Personal pans? Uh, maybe some Tonys. You heat them up. <laughs> well, this is the part of the show when we get uh, the rating on the book. So on Book It, we rate our books on personal pan pizzas from scale of zero pizzas to five. What would you give this one? Well, let me begin. <laughs> it's not Tony's pizza, is it? That That's one. That's not, that's kind of highbrow. That's like $2 oven pizza. Mm-hmm. In college, we'd slam those Totino's. You ever get those Totino's? Uh-uh. In college, they're 89 cents. You oh. Heat them up. You fold them up like a taco. Good to go. Okay. He probably had some Totino's. I want to preface my, my rating, though, um, by asking you a question. Do you know LeBron James? Have you ever heard of him? Yeah, personally. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I just talked to him last night. Okay, but you know him. He's a basketball player. <laughs> yeah. So that colors my rating on this book. I have no idea what you mean by that statement. So LeBron James is a freak athlete and amazing basketball player. Okay. LeBron James has said several I times, I'm tracking. Like, I'd like to play football. Could LeBron James actually play football? Probably. I mean, he's big, he's strong, he could do it. Would he be instantly as good as all those football players who have been playing since they were five years uh-huh. old? No. Gotcha. So when I come to Travels with Charlie... Do I like it? Yes. Is it good? Yes. Is it quality? Yes. Is it as good as if this novelist were writing novels? Mm Mm-mm. Is it as good as a really seasoned travel writing, writing travel writing? Mm Mm-mm. So it's a really good writer doing something, I don't know, it's Shakespeare writing essays. Mm. Probably really good, but not his plays. Yeah. And so I I think I'm going to give this a shockingly low rating for my love of Steinbeck. Oh. And give it a one. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Take the pizza ding. You can add to it. We put one. Eh, it's not really one. I, I'm going to go low, though. Two and a half. Two and a half. I could maybe be That's talked surprising. up to a three. Okay. For the reason that, I don't know, I just love his other stuff. And this felt a little, I wouldn't accuse a lot of his stuff of being heavy handed. And this sometimes felt heavy handed. Mm. And then the way he circumnavigated, I wanted either more stories or he jumped. All of a sudden, we're in Montana. How do we get here? Um <laughs> So I don't know. It was good, though. And I, I think he writes what my dream would be. I would love to, when I'm 58, load up and take a road trip, like a two, three-week, month, two-month. And you'd wait till you're 58 because you, you got some kiddos. Because he did. He did. <laughs> yeah, kids. <laughs> you get a, we'll get you a poodle. Children. I, I need to live long enough with my children. By that time, too, my wife's already growing pretty sick of me. And so at 58, she's going to be like, please, oh, only one month? Please go two. Where at this point, she's like, I kind of need your help. Goodbye, goodbye. Right now, she'd be like, go for seven days. That's how much I want you gone. By that, that point, she'll be like, take a half year. <laughs> See you in a decade. So 58 seems like about the right age for me. Right on. Also, the thing he had going for him is when you read this stuff, you're like, I want to do that. He also had an endless bank account. Yeah, and a that publisher helps. who will pay for everything. And that- so... The idea of roughing it's great until I actually rough it in three days and be like, I need a Holiday Inn Express, yeah. but I can't afford one. So I'd like to be 58, and maybe by then I can afford a Holiday yeah. Inn Express sometimes. Put your car in storage and just That's kick right. back for a while. Yeah, Get a mani-pedi, <laughs> wear a nice little robe. That sounds amazing. Yeah, rough it. Well, thanks for bringing this book in today, and thank you all for listening or watching or not. You know who really roughed it on this? Who what? Charlie. Rough. He's a dog. All right, sorry. Thanks for the cold piece Tuesday. Tuesday. I got food up in the fridge.